Today, I want to talk about procrastination. Is it a protector or a provocateur? This idea that the brain somehow got to see the whole way of doing something before it will even begin. There's no survival brownie points for lying around in a field of daisies. We got survival brownie points by surviving hard things. Welcome to Refreshing Leadership, the show where we give permission for you to be human first and foremost by bringing to life the incredible nervous system in action and the psychology of how we can move from surviving to thriving and even flourishing. Together, we go behind the scenes to this engine room of self-leadership, leading in your family, community and organisation by debunking old toxic approaches to leadership and instead demystifying it with practical and relatable conversations. I'm Kate Brassington, coaching psychologist, trauma-informed leadership coach, your guide and companion on this journey together. Hey everybody, welcome back to this episode of Refreshing Leadership. Today, I want to talk about procrastination. Yep. Is it a protector or a provocateur? <laughs> Which I shall have to learn how to spell them before I write the show notes. Um, okay, why has this come up? Um, because like many things um, that whiz through my mind, there's been some really vibrant conversations in our alumni community recently. One of the things I love about our alumni community is that we have not stopped learning. And while there are many people still coming through in the master's programme, many more have gone on to do PhDs. Many people are running um, like extraordinary businesses and research programmes and all sorts of ways that this work is applied in the world. And um, as a result, we're connected on a WhatsApp chat, which of course you'll roll your eyes and laugh, but it is it is one of the best things in my phone. Um, and there was a super lively thread recently about procrastination. And, you know, it's a fair one. It's often a thing that people who call themselves coaches are coaching on because a client will come to you saying, I am not getting shit done and I need to. And I'm under pressure from work, life, whatever it is. And I need to do it. And uh, on the face of it, it's a real sensible thing to get coaching on because surely you just gonna need good planning, sorting out goals. You're gonna be clear on your consequences, your rewards. You're gonna apply lots of awesome techniques from across the world of coaching, coaching psychology to really motivate, to deal with that inner chimp or monkey or dinosaur lizard brain or watchdog, depending what kind of neurobiological model you're talking through, um, and to really activate the owl, activate the energy, activate those parts of you that just are so good at getting stuff done. Well, I am going to throw down to you that there may be another way of looking at this. What if? procrastination forms dual roles and what if it could be either of them or it could be both and this is the protector or the provocateur now why is this even a trauma-informed thing well it's only through my trauma-informed training that I've even 
got a framework to understand this. And it's also, as um, over the last couple of years, I've been becoming increasingly neurodivergent informed um, and the huge crossover between trauma and neurodivergence and the different and same things that happen in the neurobiolo neurobiology, um, in our beh in behaviours, um, in impact on our lives. So um, there's uh, like lots of times I talk about the, the the Venn diagrams when you when you draw one map for or one circle for trauma informed and one circle for neurodivergence. There's a huge overlap in the middle, much bigger than you might think. If you hadn't looked at this already, I recommend it. Go have a look online. Plenty of Venn diagrams like that just just online. Um, and so. We know that the nervous system is learning to pause and look before we leap, which is a type of procrastination. We know that we have learned to be careful, and this is a very sensible part of um, behaviour in the modern world. Um, but what else do we know about procrastination when we look at it through the lens of trauma-informed and neurodivergence? And that's what I'm going to talk to you about now. So firstly, there's a protector role. So this is, like, I am really confident this sits very firmly in the field of trauma-informed, but it also, um, because like I say so many and many times over, that's not to pathologise, um, we don't have a different nervous system operating system. Your operating system is the same, whether you experience trauma and overwhelm or whether your life is um, sweet as a bucket full of daisies, right? Either way, you have a nervous system that is connected to an intensive, powerful learning machine that lays down memory at all times and all things and codes and codes and codes and patterns and makes sense of those memories continually from the moment you're born until the moment you stop thinking, you die. And this nervous system is designed to keep us alive, pure and simple. That's it. Higher level functions of, um, and by that I mean uh, the thinking and cognitive functions are not for keeping us alive. It's the other way around. As you'll have read and listened to my other stuff, the brain evolved to serve the body, not the other way around. Um, the body is our primary, I don't know, expression in the world and the brain helps keep it safe. That's it. So when you think about it from that way around, um, having some activity that happens in the brain that makes us think before we leap is super sensible for the body because the body in the main will go and can just go in whatever direction and whatever speed we need it to do. Um, so the uh, as we humans evolved, we've developed and enhanced this nervous system that teaches us to be careful, that applies some thinking and logic. Uh, it pulls down what I call um, memory maps from the past and literally overlays them onto the present and says, is there something I know about this situation that I know already from the past that I can apply? That, by the way, is why... Uh, our logic brain is really terrible at planning new solutions for problems that are coming up in the future because <laughs> it only pulls down maps from what we've learned in the past. It can only code from what has already happened, not from what will happen. But that, my friends, is another story for another day. Um, so the other thing that this protective part of our brain does is um, there's a type of executive function and it can also be dysfunction. 
And this is where um, we need to see the whole maze. We need to be able to see the whole way through the maze before we begin. Um, what you'll hear this termed much more colloquially, and in fact was got highly vibrant on the WhatsApp chat, um, was perfectionism. And we hear about this a lot, and particularly as a pathology, um, for example, amongst teenage girls, um, where perfectionism is an enhanced and deeply um, difficult, critical voice inside one's head. Um, it is aim and purpose is surely pr to protect us by driving us to do good work, but the impact can have be really quite devastating on mental healthiness, mental fitness. Um, and it's this element of executive function of the brain, um, which is very fascinating, actually, if you're going to nerd it out. Um, this idea that the brain somehow got to see the whole way of doing something before it will even begin. Um, all of us. I mean, it's just like if you just <laughs> go around your life today asking people, you know, how, how perfectionism, do you know what perfectionism, have you experienced it? You will soon find that people really do talk about it a lot. Um, it often stops people from trying things because they just know, oh, if I, I know that if I can't do something, I'm not even going to try. Very common. Or I tried it once and it didn't work, so I'm not doing it again. So this is all ways where if the brain cannot pattern out, the whole task, it doesn't begin. And that's where a lot of coaching has, to be fair, really stepped into that space because if you get the whole maze and you have someone help you break it down into manageable chunks, then you can begin. And that's a huge part of the coping strategies that are taught, for example, in our kids' school. It's all about graphic organisers, about plans, about preparation. The actual time doing the writing or maths or whatever is much shorter than the preparation time, which is, to be fair, very different from what it was like when I was at school nine million years ago, where we just had to do it and you would just get on with it and hurry up. Um, so this is a super interesting one um, when you are dealing with your protector, um, but it's getting in your way. And if you have high levels of perfectionism that actually stop you getting a task started. So what is my solution? Number one, listen to the advice of your protector. You need to slow down and listen. You need to spend time with these thoughts in your mind and understand what is the advice they have got for you here. Is this a good advice? Wise? Is it sensible? Are you re in reaction? Is it the watchdog part of your nervous system, of your brain? Is it your lizard brain or is it your owl who is making sense of it all? The next one is to break things into small steps as blinding obvious, a statement of the bleeding obvious, as this may be, every time you break a task down into smaller steps, it immediately becomes more manageable and your procrastination will melt away piece by piece because you are simply breaking things into smaller steps. Um, and this is why it becomes such a coping strategy for people, especially and including people after trauma and people with neurodivergence. Um, but also just a coping strategy of the busyness of life. How many of us now have, I mean, look at the incredible world. If you just shove into your into your search bar, looking at um, planners, organizers, like anything to break down, plan, get hold of, grip your day, your week, your life, then um, you can buy it. I love a good planner myself, so I'm, uh, I'm good at that. <laughs> um, and the third one is be compassionate. 
um, you really it really helps to understand that there is a there is a connection to trauma informed information here. That there may well have been a time when your nervous system really had its fingers burnt and learnt to be careful. You learnt to um, look before you leap, and this can be running like a background program, an unclosed file. <laughs> A browser that's open, um, it can be running in the background of your mind and you need to spend some time looking at what browsers are open in your mind, closing the ones that you don't need anymore. And this is a compassionate exercise, my friends, because if you go around inside your head also giving yourself shit for all this, then you aren't really helping. You're actually causing more distress, more anxiety, more reactions. So a very big, healthy, huge teaspoon of self-compassion, which um, you want to listen to my other podcasts about That's not just being super kind and kid gloves with yourself. It's being quite tough and realistic, but it's also with your eyes wide open as to how come you might be behaving like this and how you can move yourself forward. So what about the provocateur then? What am I talking about? And how do I spell it? <laughs> okay, well, the neurodivergent brain, which is just not one thing, and I might just take a tiny moment here to just say, I am learning as much as I can, as the speed as I possibly can, about neuro neurodivergence. Um, neurodiversity is easy for me because I am probably fairly neurotypical. However, neurodivergence is a new world um, with our children now with various diagnoses and also myself. Haha, -ha. let's see if you can guess what kind of diagnosis I have or if you heard me talk about it before. Um, and so we can really have a much higher level of awareness of not just ourselves, but of the world around us and the role of something like procrastination might have for someone who is neurodivergent. Now, I don't want to get stuck into whether this is exactly ADHD or autism or any of the other disses. I just want to keep it at the level of you're raising. It's just the same as with trauma. I didn't talk to you just now about all different kinds of trauma, did I? No. We just understand that that's a time when the um, body, mind and spirit is in overwhelm. And the same with neurodivergence. This is just at this level in this podcast, I'm just talking about ways that people think differently and the ways that people's brains may operate differently and it may operate differently from yours or yours may be operating differently, but you didn't know because <laughs> you, oh, we only know the way our own brain operates. It takes quite a, you know, it takes quite the opportunity for you to be able to notice how everyone else's might work. So what could the role of procrastination be amongst some types of neurodivergence? So absolutely the protector for sure. My child with um, this a, a child with dyslexia, for example, will procrastinate about writing something because the whole thing is so painful. So here's your protection right there. But what's the provocateur? Where is the thrill? Where is the edge? Where is the the frisson that may come with procrastination? And you'll be like, oh yeah. I end up doing things at the last minute because it's much more exciting. Um, I can get my, I can get things done. So if I leave it to the last minute or to nearly the last minute or to the second last minute, then there's this intense pressure to perform that wasn't there a week ago when the thing was due in a week. And I do much better work. How many of you 
can identify with those kind of statements. And how, oh, if I could have a pound for every time I heard someone in my coaching room talk to me about how this is a high performance state for them. They leave it until it needs to be done and then it will be done really well. And this is a key part of the nervous system too, because we're designed to operate well under pressure. There's no survival like brownie points for lying around in a field of daisies. <laughs> we got survival point, brownie points by surviving hard things. And so this is exactly the same in this scenario. When we're under pressure, we're going to perform really much better. The problem with that is, is that uh, in our world that we live in, um, for the most of us living in the West and um, in westernized and high tech and digital societies all across the world at the moment, um, that there is simply that pace that is required. It, you know, that that it is high pressure, high intensity, um, and that's the way life is. And so coming back to our brain that might actually be looking for this pressure to perform, what do we get out of it? And our friend dopamine sits right there. And dopamine is your hormone that you get from um, satisfaction of a job well done satisfaction, the reward. It's a really lovely reward hormone. Now, some neurodivergent types don't have enough dopamine, ADHD in particular. One of the issues with it is that you do not have enough dopamine, but that means your brain is starved of this. You don't get the satisfaction. There's never that sense of well done. Um, and often what that shows up like is life is boring. And so here we are. The provocateur role of procrastination could well be to fill us with a bit of an edge to make things more exciting than they were so we get some dopamine. Now, this is not purely reserved for people with ADHD, I might add. Um, and so we'll just stick with that this is this is what the role that it plays. If your life's a bit boring, if you're finding yourself stuck in routine, if somehow you have become bored, even if your life's quite exciting, that can also be a thing, um, then you may well be seeking a bit of a dopamine hit. And understanding this provocateur role of procrastination could really be a little bit of a game changer for you because you are now able to work with that. And there again, we're stepping into the realm of coaching and trauma-informed coaching where we're looking at what we have got at our disposal and how we activate that. It's strengths-based. It's using what we've got. It's not pathologizing. I'm not looking at what's wrong with you. I'm looking at what's right with you, what works great with you and how I can work with that, how I can help you work with that. And that means that you're working and knowing your strengths. So for example, you can ask yourself if you're if you're procrastinating, um, tell me, do you leave things to the last minute? Are they ever late? Really late. Now, a proportion of you listening will be going, yes, okay, some things get actually late. And then I might ask you more questions like, and how, what was the consequence? How, how bad was it? Generally, okay, you can't talk back to me right now, but let's say generally people say to me, well, it, it, do you know what? It didn't actually matter that much because X, Y, Z. Okay. So I can hear this a lot in my coaching room that the things you're going to let slide over the line are the ones that you didn't really rate as mattering that much anyway. 
But let's move our attention back to the ones that may have got super last minute. You may have had to throw an all-nighter or to move other, bump other things off your list or whatever or whatever. But ultimately, what happened was the thing got done on time. And it also may not have got done to the highest or best uh, quality, but it will have been done. And where time pressure is important, that is often the thing that matters. Handing something in a week late, but perfect, isn't going to get you any points, is it? Um, handing it in on time, submitting it, whatever, on time, um, but mostly correct, is what matters. And so here we have this really different approach, which is that when you're working with your provocateur, procrastination that is driving you to do things last minute because it wants them to be more exciting, um, you can really cut out the negative self-chat. That's enough, people. You need to start being kinder to yourself. You need to know your strengths and you need to work with them. If you're a last minuter, then do things in the way that works for you. Don't be shitty to yourself about that. Just cut out the negative self-chat and move on. Um, funnily enough, we can get a habit of negative self-chat that actually um, it works against us. So the critical voice, the critical voices in our head increase our stress, increase our cortisol, and that again fill, feeds into this whole um, sense of drama around the whole thing. And we can actually um, be seeking a bit more drama and then a bit more fulfillment and a bit more of vividness of life um, through the negative chat. Um, which is all very well, but it can cause real problems, as you know, with your mental health. So I just get your kicks another way, people. And um, we'll talk about that in a quick second. Um, Breaking into small chunks. So even though you're a last minute person, don't let it get overwhelming. Still break it down in small chunks. Still allow your brain to see not just the whole maze, but the path in, the first step and the steps all the way through and make it doable. Um, so funnily enough, you've ended up with your second step is the same. And the third step is the same too. So the third step here is be self-compassionate. Because if you're a dopamine hunter, or simply if you have got a habit of performing under high pressure, even when the pressure isn't that high, you're going to make it high by running late or whatever, then that's your strength. That works for you. Cut out the negative, mean self-talk and um, find other ways to brighten your life. Now, I think that's a big thing about self-compassion is that um, we, um, as I talked about on a different podcast, um, it, there's lots of ways to feel with rather than feel for. And you can feel with yourself, but not for. So this is the difference. You want to really be uh, self-compassion. Compassion in general is full of solutions. Um, it's very forward thinking. It has an uplifting energy. Um, it's not sad or mad or like, oh, no, this is awful. I'm just dopamine hunting or no, this is dreadful. I just looking for a protector or whatever. No, it, it's like, hey, cool. That's how I work. Let's do this. You know, compassion is um, it's my sort of quite upbeat, choppy kind of self. Is how, how I hear my self-compassionate voice. Um, and if you're if you're finding yourself in a habit of procrastinating and you're really now quite sure that it's because of your provocateur, then go find other ways to fulfill this need in yourself. Get your dopamine in other ways that aren't damaging to your mental health, that aren't damaging to your career or your job or your family. You know, find healthy, supportive ways of getting dopamine kicks. 
Uh, just give that a little throwdown and you can message me, um, you know, in the comments and stuff. You can really talk about what ways can you replace um, negative provocateur dopamine hunting with positive dopamine hits. So in summary, then, I think you've got to stop, listen and look, which is the green cross code in the UK. I'm not too, 200 years old to do that. Stop, listen and look. You need to stop. You notice that this is happening. You need to listen inside of yourself. Is there a protector voice or is it a provocateur dopamine hunting voice or both? And then look, look at your patterns, look at your behaviours, look at what you can do, breaking it up into small chunks and to being self-compassionate. And if it is that you need a bit of a kick another way, how can you do that? So I have loved putting this together for you. I look forward to speaking to you on the next solo episode. And um, until then, happy getting shit done. Thank you for listening to this episode. While I'm here, did you know that I work one-to-one with people who are ready to make change for the better for themselves or others? And can I make a plea for our leaders who are especially under pressure, not only to balance their own mental health, but leading balanced and thriving teams. The fallout of the pandemic and the increasing economic pressures have made this a really great area for mental health worldwide. And the burden is falling on our leaders and managers. If you'd like to ease suffering and get the fun back, rebuilding resilience and lasting mental health in yourself or your team, remember that healthy financial results and great business performance can only come from high-performing people who are in top condition to thrive. Let me help you help your people now. Get in touch and let's start the conversation.